right. Well, good morning, everyone. Bah humbug. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Good morning. good morning. I mean, Christmas season is here. It's all exciting. It's all good. We're decorated. I haven't decorated my house yet. So you're welcome to come over and help and do all that. But, I mean, it is that time of year already again. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm excited. I, I love this time of year. Just people seem nicer people seem unless you're at walmart at black friday but we're past black friday um but or you're grabbing that last must-have item and no we're not going to do that but but i mean it is it is a great time of year and and i love people like i wonder why people are nicer and i think it's simply because this this season is always and forever will be about jesus you you can't get away from it I mean, it's Christmas, Christmas, the day of Christ, even the Xmas that some people are like, I can't believe they put an X word. That X is the Greek letter that they used to do for Jesus, for Christ. And so you can't get rid of it. You can't get rid of it. You can't change it. And so it is a great time of year. It is a great time of year for, to invite people to church. It's the one time of year where people actually get offended that you didn't invite them to church. Um, they want to come. People are, are excited and happy. And I'm excited as we do this journey every year. Um, that we go and we do the readings and, and, we, and we stop and we slow down enough to just sit and remember what this is all about. And so we want you to experience all that. And so I just we have a gift for you, too. Uh, at the end of the day, I want to make sure I didn't forget this, is that we have these little devotional books. And we're going to have one per family, please. Um, but there's a little devotional book that you can have for family devotions. We really want to push. Listen, I believe if you're not reading the Bible at home with your family, then this isn't going to do much good here on just a Sunday. That you need to be doing it every day. And so we want to help encourage you with that. And so we have these back there. They're as you exit over by the coffee and everything. So grab one per family as you leave. There's a gift. If we run out, I'll order more and we'll get some more in. But please, please um, take those. But as we do this journey this morning and the rest of this week over the next couple of weeks, leaving up to Christmas Eve, man, I hope you come to church with expectancy. I mean, that, that's really, Advent means coming. It's like an expectancy, that we're expecting something fabulous and, and something amazing. And I hope that you come to church with that same attitude of just kind of the wonder. You know, I, I love that Rodney came in, and Rodney loves this time of year because we have sparkles on the ceiling. And he just sits there and he stares at him. And so that's what I want for us, is remember when Christmas was so magical and just mystical and, and powerful and just everything you looked at, it was just like, oh, it all glistened. And everything and decorations are great and all that stuff and candles and and the songs that we know and we sing they're all great and they bring back that nostalgia and that memory but the whole point of it is is it points to jesus it all points to jesus and so that's really really what i wanted to do and so as we start this series and as we start our journey um today we get to talk about the idea of god being with us and that's our whole thing i mean just just think about that for a moment that the creator of the universe the God Almighty, the all-sovereign, all-powerful, almighty, everything that you can think of or even try to describe, there is God, was with us. In fact, the Greek says in John, it says, and the word became flesh, and it says, basically it means that he pitched his tent among us, that he literally put on skin, blood, and flesh, and walked among us and lived among us, and that God is with us, God was with us, God is with us, God will always be with us, and because of that, that brings us hope. And what a great way to start the Advent season, because I don't think I know of anything more that people need today than hope. 
when we see the news and we see all that's going on in the world and, and the divisiveness and, and the, and the ang angriness and, and if you get on Facebook and you see all the nasty posts and all that stuff that's going on, we live in a world that desperately needs hope. I, be I believe hope is the living breath of our soul. With, without it, we stop breathing. And so that's where we're going to start. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 5. If you don't have them, we have them available all around. Um, <coughs> just we'll give you one. If you, don't, if you don't own one or you can't find yours, take one of ours. You can have it. Put your name in it. If you'd rather use your electronic devices, we put it up there. We have a Wi-Fi GBC guest. Just type in find more all over caps, and you can follow along with us right there. But as always and especially in this season, my words mean absolutely nothing. It's these words that mean everything. It's these words that are the only important words. These are the words that only change lives. These are the one, only words that actually bring hope and change. And so out of respect for that and out of acknowledge that, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me as we read in Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Paul writes these wonderful, powerful, hopeful words. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, 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 produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you this morning. As we enter this season, as we enter this time, God, I thank you that we're starting with hope. That no matter what's happening in our lives, God, no matter what's going on in our world, Father, we know that we can hope. Because you are a God that keeps his promises. You are a God that keeps his word. You are a God that is always with us. And so this morning, we thank you that you were here long before any of us showed up this morning. That your presence was here. That your spirit was here. And God, we ask that it would move. That your words would penetrate this heart. God, that this would be your words and not mine. But that it would penetrate our hearts. God, that it would meet us where we're at and move us from there. God, that you would change us. God, that you would renew us. That you would encourage us. God, transform us today. God, that revival would, would begin in the Christmas season. God, that, that awakening would begin. But God, that most of all, that Father, you would get all the glory. That you would get all the credit this morning. So Father, we ask and we pray. Father, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to respond. God, give us the courage to live it out. May we leave here different. May we leave here full of hope and carry that wherever we go. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, so hope, it, it, it's a funny word. It, it's one of those words we love and, and we hear, and, 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 but I think we've turned hope into something that looks more like wishful thinking than true hope in our culture. I think we've made hope in something like just a wish or a prayer or maybe a last grasp. But, but hope is real. Hope has always been real. And God has been the author, the creator, and the sustainer of hope throughout all creation. 
It has always started with him. Hope, hope is, that, is that feeling, that, that sensation when the sun rises, when you're not sure that you're going to make it through the night. Hope is, is, that, is that doctor showing up and saying, everything's okay. They're okay. Hope is that moment, I, I know for me, hope was the moment when I was sitting in the middle of a desert in Saudi Arabia on the border of Iraq and Saudi Arabia, just thinking about my daughter being three months old, me being away from home, it, it's Christmas, and, and I'm sitting in a foxhole and wondering, like, am I ever going to make it back home and feeling God's arms just wrap around me and his presence come. That's what hope is, and we need hope. You ask any doctor that as soon as a person loses hope, it's over. And, and so hope is, is this huge, huge thing that we go on. But hope has been a long journey for us. There's been a long journey of hope. And, and it, it started, our need for hope started all the way back in the beginning. Remember those, that guy and girl, Adam and Eve? Remember them? They chose to say, God, we'd rather do it our way. We're not going to do it your way. We're going to do it our way. And at that moment, we were separated from the source of hope. At that moment, we were broken. Our relationship was broken with the one that made us, that one that created us to be in relationship. And it was broken, and it was severed from that. And, and I know some guys are like, yeah, Eve, she blew it for us all. It's always the woman's fault. Can I tell you something? Adam was sitting right there being stupid, could have said something at any moment. In fact, I'm under the belief, and I'm going to ask when I get to heaven, Adam, did you actually tell her not which tree to stay away from? He's like, no, I thought she probably knew because that's the guy. He's like, I thought I told her. <laughs> so it wasn't that, but that's where hope broke. But it, 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 it kept going on. God didn't give up on us, even though we gave up on him. And, and years later, a man on, comes on the scene named Abraham, and God makes a promise to Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless all people, all tongues, all nations through your line. I'm going to create a nation of people that out of that will change everything and restore everything and redeem everything. And so that promises comes and, and we keep hearing the promises over and over again. In fact, 700 years before Christ ever entered this world, before Jesus ever stepped foot on this planet, a guy named Isaiah. Who's probably considered the prophet of Advent, the prophet of Christmas. Wrote these words, turn to Isaiah chapter nine in your Bibles. 700 years before, starting at verse 2, Isaiah gets a picture of what's to come and says in verse 2, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned in those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you and they rejoice at harvest time. And as they rejoice when dividing spoils, for you have shattered their oppressive yoke. And the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and, every, and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as the fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. And he will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. 700 years. 
in the midst of trials and darkness. And you've got to understand, Isaiah is writing to a people that are being oppressed and a people that have turned from God. And he said, no, there's a day coming when everything's going to be set. Hope still lives. 700 years before that hope lives and, and we see it continuing through we hear we hear about all the other prophets and all the others saying that someone is coming someone is coming someone is coming that's going to set this right again and we get all the way all the way into the new testament from the time that malachi dropped put down his pen to the moment that the new testament began 400 years passed of silence for a people, for the Jewish people that had heard God's voice over and over and through prophets, through, through kings, through all these people, all of a sudden there was silence for 400 years. And in those 400 years, all kinds of stuff happened on the planet. The Roman Empire stood up. The Israelites were being oppressed again. They, they were all going. And all of a sudden, and after 400 years, hope springs up again. Because, see, that's what Advent is. It's, it's the season of hope. It, it links the past, and it links the present, and it links the future. In fact, look in Luke 1, 17. We find a guy named Zachariah that's sitting there going through things, just seeing the oppression and everything. And he gets an angel visit. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of freak out if, like, someone kind of glowing and kind of showed up and powerful and all this stuff. Like, everybody's like, I want to see an angel. I'm not sure I want to see an angel because I think that's kind of scary. And here's Zachariah, who's a priest, and he's doing his duties, and an angel shows up. And he says, hey, I know you're old. I know your wife's old, but guess what? Someone's coming. You're going to have a son. And in verse 17, it says, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. If you don't know, that's the prophecy of John the Baptist. The promise that, hey, Zachariah, you're going to have a son. Zachariah was so confused and everything. He sat there like, there's no way. Have you seen my wife? She's old. I'm old. That's not going to happen. The angel said, fine, you're not going to talk until the baby's born. Every wife in here probably saying, wow, could that happen again? <laughs> That's an answered prayer. But no, he did. And so John the Baptist shows on, and all of a sudden there's hope in Israel that the Messiah is coming. Redemption is coming, and hope has come back. Zechariah knew Isaiah's words. He was a priest. He knew the promises. He knew the prophecies. Could you imagine being there at that time after 400 years of not hearing anything from God? Hope is arriving. That, that's, like I said, that's what Advent means. It means coming. That we're expecting that something is coming. And you sit here today and you may sit here and say, Dow, that's, that's great. That, that's, that's awesome. But it feels like God is really, really silent right now. So what does that have to do with me? That happened, what, 2,000 years ago? What does that have to do with me now? I mean, I know it's Christmas, and we watch the specials, and we put on Hallmark, and we get our tissue, and everyone falls in love at the end. But that's not real life. These are just stories, right? No, because like I said, Advent is a picture of the past. It links the past, our fallen, broken nature, to the present. And even hope for the future. And so today I believe with all my heart that you and I can have hope today. We can have hope in the present day. And there's a couple of things I just want you to hear. There's three things that I want you to know that you can rest your hope on. 
if you are struggling, if you are battling, if there are things going wrong in your life, or there's all, whatever the circumstance is, I'm telling you, you can still have hope today. The very first thing I want, I want you to hear is we can, we can have hope based on God's word. I promise you, we can have hope based on God's word. Turn to Psalm 139. It's one of my favorite psalms. Listen to what David writes here in Psalm 139, starting at verse 7. He goes, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even though your hand, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Do you understand that according to God's word and God's promises that we are never, ever alone? One of the greatest causes of a lack of hope is loneliness. It's one of the greatest diseases and, and tragedies that we have in our culture today. So many people feel so alone, so, so isolated. And, and I believe part of it is, is social media. I think we've lost the ability to like, talk to one another. We, we, we've become a culture that is a Facebook, um, a Facebook line update or a tweet or something that's our entire lives and we've lost the ability to thinking that it's just us and our computer and that's it and so we feel alone but the promise of advent the promise of the season is that god is with us and we are never ever ever alone he promises a word there's nowhere we can hide there's nowhere we can go that god is not there with us Paul talks about it when, when he's talking to the Athenians, when he's on Mars Hill, he says, you know, God puts it in us so that we would search for him, even though he is not far from us. That sometimes all we have to do is stop long enough, quiet ourselves down long enough and just turn around and God is right there. There are so many people that are going to walk through this season feeling completely and utterly alone. And God says, you're not. We, we are not alone. God is with us, and we can have the hope. There are so many promises in this book, and God is the promise keeper, the author and the founder and, and, and the chief promise keeper. God cannot lie. Like the Bible says, if God lies, it's against his character. If God lies, he can't be God. He cannot lie. And so every promise in this book, and so I encourage you, just go through that book over the next couple of weeks, go through the devotional, look at all the promises that God says that I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'm always with you, there's nothing greater than me, there's nothing that can pull me out of your hand, there's nothing that you can't accomplish through me, there's none of that, uh, all those promises that we can take upon his word, because that will bring us hope, when all the lights go away, when all the decorations and all the families and all the parties and all the cooking ends, and we're back in January, and we're facing a whole new year, hope still rides because we can base our hope on his word. Every time. Every time. But it's not only based on his word, it's, it's based on his character. God's very character and the way he uh, works with us and the way he does with us and what, how, how he interacts with us and, and the way he lives out his promises. That we can base our hope on that today. There's a story in the New Testament about a lady that had an issue of blood. 
And if you don't know anything about Jewish culture, this lady, because of that, she was isolated from it. She couldn't, she couldn't touch anyone. She couldn't be with anyone. She couldn't go to church. She couldn't do anything. And she hears about this man named Jesus, that he's coming to town. And listen, look what happens here. Mark 5, 27 through 29 says, And having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, If I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. And instantly her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Can you imagine? That's hope. That, that, that's hope that if I've heard this guy, I've heard about him, I, if I just take a risk, and, and maybe if I just touch the hem, like the, the actual Greek says it's kind of like just the hem, the tassel on the bottom. If I can just, just touch it, I'll be healed. Everything will be set right if I just if I just have hope. And, and the thing is, right after this, Jesus stops. He's in a crowd of people everywhere surrounding him like always. And he goes, who touched me? <laughs> I love that. The disciples who I would make a great disciples because I say dumb things all the time. They look at him and says, there are 30,000 people here, Lord. <laughs> Everybody touched you. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. Who touched me? And back in the corner, there's this little girl that have suffered for so long that I did. And Jesus didn't look at her and say, well, you know, this is new. <laughs> I didn't give you permission to touch me. No, she was healed. You see, see, we think sometimes trusting Jesus and stuff is, is, is risky. But can I tell you something? Hope in God is never risky. He will always meet us where we're at. There, there are so many people out there, and I talk to them all the time. I love, and you know, again, you guys know I work at Universal Studios. I work in security. I got more sermon material that will last me for like the next 10 years just being in there and just all kinds of craziness. But it's, it's, it's so funny that people are like, well, I don't know. I, you know, I got to straighten up my life first, and, you know, maybe if I stop doing this stuff. Here's the thing about God. You don't clean yourself up. God does it for you. There's nothing you can do to ever make him love you less. There's nothing you could ever do to make him love you more. He already perfectly loves you. And so that is never a risk if I put my hope in him because his character says that he is love, he is truth, he is just, he is merciful, he is righteous, he is holy, and I can experience that. It is never a risk, and hope in God never disappoints. See, we get disappointed when we ask God for certain things and God says no, because it's what we want, it's not what we need. See, we, we, we trust in a God that always knows everything we need and is right there to give it to us at the perfect time in the perfect way. It's never disappointing. No matter how hard or what's going on in your life, I promise you, hope based on God's character, hope based on Christ and him coming and what he did is never, ever disappointing I believe with all my heart there's going to be a day where I'm going to stand with Jesus and he's going to show me my life and he's going to look there and I'm going to like I never realized you were there at that time I never wow you did that because it's never disappointing and it's never risky to put your trust in him Pascal, who was a mathematician and, and, a, and a, like a philosopher, he, he would always ask this question to people. He says, 
when he was sharing the gospel and he would share with people, he had he had this great question. He said, if if what I believe is false. If what I believe about God and Jesus is false and I die. Then I have lived my life with purpose, with meaning, with hope, and then I'm done. Or if what you believe is not, but with what I, I'm sorry, if what you believe about Jesus and he's not real, well, I still live my life with hope, purpose, and everything, and then when I die, I'm done. But if what I believe is true, are you willing to take that chance? See, I don't understand people that sit there and like, this. I'm never, ever going to believe in a God or a Jesus or any of that. This morning, I just, I want to try to take the risk. Give, give it all to him. We, we've become so compartmentalized in our culture and in our lives. We're like, here's my church life. Here's my business life. Here's my family life. I just want to say, tear down the walls and take a risk and give it all. Every section of your life, give it all to him. Take a risk. Because it's not really a risk and it will never, ever disappoint And so we can have hope because of his word. We can have hope because of his character. But most of all, we can have hope because of his faithfulness. I I, I just encourage you right now over this time to think back times where God just kind of showed up. Where where God showed up and you didn't expect him to show up and he did and he was faithful to all this. In fact, all the way back in Lamentations, Jeremiah writes, writes this. He says, yet I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Can I ask you, has God ever let you down? Can you ever think of a time that God has let you down? I know there are people that come up to me and say, yeah, there is. You know, I prayed for this and, and, and I wanted healing here and I wanted that. And the problem is, is we only see a small little portion of this magnificent puzzle that God is putting together. And sometimes we think those no's or those unanswered prayers that we, that we, we don't receive or, or we get the no and we sit there and say, well, see, God doesn't care about that. So, but the problem is, is all we see is a small little piece of a giant tapestry that God is weaving all together. Because in Romans, God promises that all things work together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. He doesn't say that everything is good that's going to happen to you. He says, but in the end, it's all going to weave together. And we're going to stand in eternity, and we're going to see this tapestry, and we're all going to go, wow, that makes so much more sense now. God has always been faithful. Remember the times that he showed up. Remember the times where where you felt his presence. Remember those moments. I think God gives us those. They're like little benchmarks in our lives. That's why I love youth ministry. Because we'd go to camp, and I would remind kids, remember that moment when you felt close to God or on that mission trip or whatever happened. Remember that moment and be thankful for it because here's what happens. Gratitude breeds hope because when we remember all the good that God has given us, all the stuff that he has done for us and continues to do for us, it breeds hope for tomorrow. Because faithfulness yesterday is hope for tomorrow. Past, present, future, we can have hope because... (coughs) because God is faithful. 
And he has been faithful, and he will continue to be faithful. Why? Because his character is that way. Why? Because his word promises is that way. God has been faithful. God continues to be faithful. And because of that, we can have hope. No matter what the new year brings, tell me a time when God let you down. If he didn't do it then, why would he do it in January? Advent is the season of hope. Hope is the very breath of our soul. It's the oxygen that allows us to breathe. And I know we get so busy in all of this, in the decorations and everything and the craziness and, 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 and all of it. Man, if I could just encourage one thing, just take time every day, stop, and just remember how good God is. All the time. All the time, He is good. And that will carry you when the lights go down and the candles are going out. That will carry you into next year and the year after and the year after because this is the season of hope and it has been authored and finalized by Jesus himself. That's why we can have hope. That's why we can have hope for the future because not only not only is Advent a reminder of him coming, it's a reminder of his promise that he's going to come again. I love that. I love that. R.C. Sproul, who passed away this past year, modern theologian and a magnificent mind that is in glory and experiencing Christmas for real this year, said this. He said, hope is called the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish. I wish that such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches onto the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. Hope isn't a wish, it's a certainty when it's placed in Jesus. That's what this season means. And so my prayer for us, for me, my family, for you, for everyone in this community, is that now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May you be bearers of hope. May you carry hope wherever you go, into your jobs, into your neighborhoods, into your schools, wherever you are at. May you carry hope with you because you have it if you know Jesus. You have it if you know Jesus. God with us. The story of Christmas. Emmanuel brings hope. Let's not forget that. Let's not miss that this year.